Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hello, I'm Skip Hedgepeth, and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. In our last study, we talked about the things that are of first importance in the Christian faith, or the things that are of most importance, is another way of saying it. And the Apostle Paul taught us uh, the things that are of first importance uh, through his first letter to the Corinthian church. And uh, the things that we learned uh, that are of first importance, the Apostle Paul calls the gospel or the good news. And so the good news we learned are, uh, are these things. First of all, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And that's good news because it tells us that uh, for those who believe in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And so today, if by faith you're a child of God through faith in Jesus, your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. And that's good news for all those who believe in Jesus. And then the second part, uh, the second thing that was good news to us is that Christ was buried. And so the good news for us started in the cemetery. And we learned from that that uh, the good news for us is that because of Jesus' death, the cemetery will not be our final resting place. Because when we die, because Jesus overcame the grave, then we too shall overcome the grave one day and live with him, with, live with him forever in heaven. And so that was the second part of the good news. And the third part of the good news was that uh, Jesus was resurrected on the third day. And so that's good news for us because those who believe in Jesus also one day will get a new resurrection body. And, and I taught that that's good news for me because that just means that one day this old body that I have that is getting old and wearing out, uh, one day will get replaced by a new body. And with that new body, I'll live with Jesus forever in the new heavens and the new earth that he's going to bring one day. And so then finally, the last part of the good news was that Jesus appeared to his disciples. And uh, Paul says he appeared to the, to the disciples, and then he appeared to eventually 500 other people. Uh, he calls them brethren. Uh, and that's good news also for us because it tells us that our faith comes with evidence. And, uh, and, and I taught about how I am living evidence that Jesus is alive because what Jesus has done in my life through faith. And I know that for many of you who are listening today, you've had that evidence also, uh, how Jesus has touched you in some way and changed your life. So faith comes with evidence. And then to sum this all up, at the last part of it, I said, what we learn from this is that all the things that are of first importance in the Christian faith are things that Christ has done for us. So the good news is centered around the fact that Jesus loves us and he does this, th these things for us so that through faith in him, we can be his children. He does the work for us. All he calls us to do is believe. And that's the good news. And on the other hand, sometimes you'll hear good, bad news preached and that, that bad news is that uh, whenever people tell you that uh, you have to do something in order for God to love you, when the good news really always says that, the good, that 
what is most important is what Jesus has done for you. And so that's where we left off last week. And those were the things of first importance. And so today we're going to look at a different part of the scripture. And we're going to look at really the first things, not just first importance, but the first things, the things uh, to answer the questions like, where do we come from? Where does the earth come from? Where does God come from? All of these things we're going to see that Scripture gives us answers for in the book of Genesis. So before we open up the Scripture and pray, let's, uh, or before we open up the Scripture and study, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and we thank you that you give us your word. And we thank you, especially today, Lord, that you have answers for our questions when we come to you in your word. Questions about things that are so important to us, like where we come from and also where we're going. So answer those questions for us today through your word as we open it up. We look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's begin in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, and I'll read verses 1 and 2. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without, was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And so, where do we begin? It's in the beginning. And so many times people have asked me, where does God come from? So we know about creation, but where does God come from? And uh, what the Scripture tells us is that in the beginning, God was there. Before there was any part of creation, uh, all of creation comes from God, but God doesn't come from anywhere else. God always was. You see, in the beginning, even before there was time, there was God. God exists apart from time. And we learn that through science. Actually, we learned this really early in elementary school, that uh, time is a measurement of relationships in space. And that may sound like a complicated definition, but if you'll just look at this globe real quickly, you can see uh, what I mean by this. Time is a measurement in, of relationships in space. And so when you look at the earth and the earth rotates on its axis one time, then that measures one day. And so all the way around once equals one day. Now, if this earth, then if we had another model of the sun and we took the earth and, and revolved it or rotated it all the way around the sun, then what you would learn is that one time around the sun is one year. And so time exists as a measurement of relationships in space. So, uh, so apart, before there was creation, there was no time, and God existed. But when God spoke and brought the heavens and earth into to existence, then time began. And this is really important for us because so much of the questions today that people have, a God, have about God and creation center around the question, how? How did it all happen? Where did we all come from? And what we learn, really, as we look at the book of Genesis, is that the how itself is not really the most important question. From the biblical perspective, the most important question is who. And the who question is answered from the scripture. Before there were uh, before there was an earth, before there were sun and stars and moons and galaxies, before any of the creation existed, there was God. There was a heart of a loving Father who spoke it all into existence by a word of his mouth. 
He spoke it into existence, and today, by his grace, he continues to hold it all together. And so, uh, God existed apart from time, and that's what we learn in Genesis 1, 1, and 2. Then let's get a little bit more of this and, uh, and see what happens next in the creation story. We're going to look at Genesis 1, verses 3 through 8, and I'll read starting in verse 3. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and separated the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And so it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And there was evening and there was morning a second day. Okay, so before I, uh, I go into this text, I want, I want to tell you really that there are two ways that we learn things. Two basic ways. There may be more, but two basic ways. One is through revelation, and the other one is through discovery. And so if I tell you that in my left-hand desk drawer uh, there is a ball and two flutes, then that's what I would be revealing to you. So let's look, open it up here and look. And what we see here is this ball. You may remember this ball from our last week's study. And then there are two flutes. And, um, and so what I revealed to you is this information. Now, if you were going to come around the side of my desk and open up the desk drawer for yourself, you could discover that my revelation to you was true. But you could also discover that in the drawer, there was not only a ball and two flutes, but there were also two packages of guitar strings and a light bulb. Now, you would have discovered further information, uh, further information other than what I revealed to you. But would that mean that my revelation to you wasn't true? No, of course not. That would just mean that I revealed to you what I thought was most important. And then on further discovery, you found that there was more information. And so you would have substantiated what I revealed to you, but also added to uh, the story through your own discovery. And that's basically what I want to talk to you about in the book of Genesis, is that we have uh, the book of Genesis was given to Moses for our benefit over 3,000 years ago. And through it, God reveals to us the, the important information about creation. And then later on, scientists come along and they discover further information. Does that uh, negate the biblical, the biblical revelation? No, not at all. Actually, what it does, it adds important information to it that further uh, benefits us regarding the story of creation. And so we're going to look a little bit more at this and, uh, and we're going to look at, uh, at some of the details and see what God revealed to Moses. And, but then also we're going to look at in the 1900s, which I want to talk about right now, there was a great scientist and his name was Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein discovered himself through science that the earth came into existence with a big bang. Now, what was revealed to Moses was that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light. And so 
What Moses uh, reveals to us is that there was light, a big flash of light at creation. Einstein discovered through science that there was a big bang, and a big bang uh, included this big explosion of light uh, that was energy. And so Einstein further developed uh, what what was actually revealed to Moses over 3,000 years ago. And Einstein further discovered in his theory of relativity that light could be changed into mass at twice the the at twice or at the square of the speed of light, and so Einstein discovered that light could be changed into mass. And so, what was revealed to Moses it also is that when God spoke the the universe into existence, there was a big flash of light. Let there be light, and then came, God also brought the firmament out of the light. Now, science and the biblical revelation are really not at odds here. Uh, One just further substantiates what was revealed through the scripture. And uh, and so there are a lot of uh, disputes and and arguments about how the universe came into existence between science and the biblical account. But really, if you delve into it and read the biblical account, you see that they really go hand in hand. And this story of creation and how it came about through the scripture has held up under the scrutiny of science for over 3,000 years. And so uh, the main difference is that Einstein believed that, that there was nothing and then there was something. Christians believe that there was nothing and then there was something. But the difference is, is in the who that God brought the something out of the nothing. And to me, in some ways, it takes more faith to believe that it came out of nothing than it does to believe that it came out of God's hand. Uh, And that's why I think in a lot of ways, it takes more faith for somebody to be an atheist than it does for them to be a Christian. Because I have a hard time seeing how this beautiful universe of ours that is... uh, that is so orderly and perfect, and, and day by day it holds together, and the sun comes up and the sun sets. How could that just come out of a random freak of nature? Uh, to me, it's, it's so much more evident that there was the heart of a loving father behind it all, making it happen. And so, let's look ahead. And we will, uh, we will get more of the creation story. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1. And this time we're going to start with verse 9. And we're going to see how this process of creation continues. You see, God creates with an event. And let there be light. And then the process of creation continued after God uh, spoke the universe into co- to existence. So we're going to start in verse 9. And we're going to read through verse 27 this time. This is a long passage, and it's probably very familiar to many of you. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind upon the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit 
in which is their seed, according to its own kind. God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning a third day. God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let, them be lights in the, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning a fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the firmament of the heavens. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning a fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the cattle according to their kinds, and everything that creeps upon the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, let's look at this, and just very briefly, I'm going to run back through it, and see what God revealed to Moses. And what God revealed to Moses, first of all, is that he created the earth, and uh, our blue planet, which is about two-thirds water, and one-third land. And, and I know you've all seen those beautiful pictures that come back from the astronauts in space of our planet, and it's just so beautiful and gorgeous from up in space. And uh, God created the earth first. And then after the earth, he created vegetation. And then after vegetation came the light, the sun, the moon, and the stars, which makes so much sense, doesn't it? Because we learned that in science, all the way back in elementary school, that in order for vegetation to grow, there has to be light. And so God created the vegetation, and then he created the light for it so that it could grow. And then after that, God created uh, swarms of living creatures. He, uh, he created the sea, sea life, and then he created animal life. And then finally, last of all, in his own image, he created human life. Male and female, it says, he created them. And so this was what was revealed to Moses over 3,000 years ago. And now we want to look at what was discovered by a scientist, Charles Darwin, in the 1800s. He discovered that there was an order of creation through science. And what he discovered was, very simply, uh, that... First of all, God created the, or not God, he didn't believe that God created it, but first he, he believed that the earth was created. And then after the earth, he believed that uh, plant life was created and uh, that plant life came into existence. And then from the plant life was evolved sea life. And then from there evolved the bird life. 
And then after bird life, animal life came out of the birds. And then finally out of the animal life, human life evolved. And if you look at the order between, uh, between what science uh, discovered and what was given to Moses, the order of creation is exactly the same. The only difference between the two is this evolutionary link that Darwin uh, claimed in his theory of evolution that one species evolved into the next. You remember in the biblical account, it says that God created each one after its own kind so that there's not a link in between. And it's amazing to me that today in science, although this order uh, of creation and the theory of evolution really came into existence back in the 1800s, that evolutionary link has never really been discovered in the fossil record or in science. In fact, today, what they call it still is the missing link of evolution. And so uh, the biblical account has held up under the scrutiny of science for over 13, I mean, for over 3,000 years. And not only has it held up, but uh, it has been substantiated and corroborated by the fossil records. You know, as you dig down through the fossils and through the earth's, uh, the different strata layers of the earth, uh, the fossil records reveals this very order of creation that is uh, revealed to us through Moses in the scripture. And so this is wonderful to me because it tells me that God had a plan for his creation before he spoke it all into existence. And his plan was for it to be a very orderly process. God creates through an event, let there be light, and then a process. And so what that tells me, God has a plan for creation. And because you also are part of God's creation, God also has a plan for you. Now, one of the great debates about uh, creation also has to do with time. Because in science, through the fossil records, again, uh, scientists believe that the earth was created in a, somewhere around four and a half billion years. Now, if you remember, the biblical account talks about six days. So that seems like an obvious contradiction to, to a lot of people. To me, it's not that much of a contradiction because we, we talked about it at the beginning of the study that God exists apart from time. God always has been and always will be. And if you want to turn with me, hold your finger there, where you are in Genesis, and turn over to Second Peter, way back in the back of the New Testament. And we'll look at this one verse, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And uh, Peter wrote this, Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And so time really means nothing to God. Uh, God exists apart from time. So could God have created the, the universe in, in six days? If you believe in God, you've got to believe that. If God is God, God could create the universe in one second on his worst day. But uh, could God create the universe in six days and it looked like it takes four and a half billion years to scientists? Why, sure he could. Uh, time is not the issue here. The issue, again, to me, is not the how, but the who. God created Behind all of this story is the heart of a loving father. And so uh, he created it all and he holds it all together uh, out of his love. And so let's look at this process 
uh, of creation as it relates to us personally. We talked about how God creates through an event and then a process. And so uh, let's turn over in our scripture to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll look at that and see how God's uh, uh, process of creation applies to us personally. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And so, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, for some of you, that might have happened a long, long time ago when you were children, and you, through faith, uh, receive Jesus as your Savior. At that moment, there's an event of creation. And uh, God intervenes in your life, and the way you were before you received Jesus is different uh, at the moment you receive Christ. He tells us, anyone in Christ, you are a new creation. And so, uh, does that mean that at that moment of creation that God is through with you? Absolutely not. God creates through an event and a process, right? And so, at the moment of your faith, that really begins your life with God. That's the event that begins it. And then, from that point forward, God works this process of changing you slowly by slowly, bit by bit, into the person that He wants you to be. I remember a story uh, several years ago. A young man came to my office who had been to one of my Bible studies and he said, Skip, you keep talking about, about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior, and I want to know what, what you mean by that. So we talked about it for a little bit, and uh, I told him that, that sin separates us from God, and that, but that God had a plan, and he sent Jesus to pay the debt for our sin, and that if we will just believe in him, then he'll forgive our sin and give us everlasting life. And I asked him, I said, do you want to believe this? And do you want to know Jesus as your Savior? And he said, I do. And I said, well, let's pray right now. And we prayed. And I remember at the end of that prayer, I said, do you know what just happened? And he said, what? And I said, you have just passed from death into life. You are now a new creation, a new person. And what God has started in you, he wants to continue and see it, this process through to, the, to completion till the day when you come home to be with him. And, uh, and that was a great day. And so God is a loving father, and he is our creator, and, but he loves us so much that when we believe in him, he doesn't want to just leave us there like we were, but he wants to work in us, to change us gently, uh, day by day, bit by bit, step by step, until we're conformed into the likeness of his son. And uh, this process, it's, this is good news for me because it tells me that today, uh, by the grace of God, I'm not yet done with God. God's not yet done with me. And that the things that I struggle with, 
uh, God is still at work in me to help me overcome. And so uh, I think it's such good news for us to know that God loves us and has a plan for our life. So let's start back and, and, uh, and summarize what we've talked about today. Uh, we've talked about how God has a plan for creation. We've talked about how, uh, how he creates through an event and a process and that the event initially was a, was a flash of light and that that flash of light was corroborated by science. And then we learned that God created through a process and that the process began as he created the earth and then the animal life and the plant life and all of those, those different forms of life. And then later on in science, uh, that was also corroborated. And then we also learned that God creates through event in a process in our own hearts, that God uh, loves us enough to save us and to give us new life in Christ, to make us a new creation. And then from that point forward, God works through his process of creation in us to transform us into the people that he wants us to be. And so I hope that this process of creation that God is in the midst of is also in the midst of that in your life today. And uh, thank you for tuning in to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. And I'll be with you again next time as we study God's Word together. Amen. If you have a prayer request or questions about any of the material covered in today's lesson, or would like to support the program with a contribution, contact us by email at simplesecrets at goodnewsministries.org or by mail at P.O. Box 3315, Midland, Texas 79702. Until next time, thank you for sharing the simple secrets of the kingdom.